Heavenly Father, we thank you for this gathering together. We know that it is a blessing in your sight, Lord. We pray that our hearts would be pure before you, and we ask, Lord, as we turn to you now, that we would turn away from our sin or whatever it is that's hindering us from running the race that you've called us to run, Lord. Please forgive us of our sins. This morning, as you minister to us through your word, I pray that our hearts would be fertile soil, Lord. And I know that requires us to die to ourselves. So let us die now, Lord, to our will, to our ways, that we may come alive to you in your ways. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, to do what you've called us to do. And I pray that each and every one of us, Lord, would take this moment to surrender our life fully and completely to you. To simply say, I'm yours, Lord. And Lord, I pray as we get into the word that we would not doubt the power of the word, the authority of the word, the ability of the word to literally transform us and to make us more like you. And so now as we present ourselves to you, Lord, I pray that you administer to us through your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you sit down, can you say hello to someone, please? All right, you may be seated. Come on in, everybody. You may be seated. And if you are a veteran, will you stand, please? So uh, keep standing. We want to uh, just honor you uh, that are standing and thank you for your service. And we want to pray a blessing on you. So Heavenly Father, we pray for these veterans, Lord. We pray that today would be a day that you would bless them in a special way, encourage them in the faith that they know that their service was not in vain, but was a blessing and an honor and inspired by you. And we know, Lord, that as you have protected them in battle, that you will continue to protect them and to bring them to bear fruit for your kingdom in this life, Lord. So fill them with unspeakable joy and let them know our gratitude towards them in their hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for your service. So a couple announcements this morning before we get into the word. Uh, number one, our Operation Christmas Child is in full effect, and it ends next Sunday, so that's the day to turn in the, the boxes. And so you can pick up a shoe box, pick them up in the atrium, you can pick up as many as you want, and... In the boxes, they have instructions about what to put in the box. And most importantly, as we've been announcing, that uh, the gospel through those boxes is going out to all the world. And that's why that's important. And so there's a, a list, whether you get a girl box or a boy box, we do believe that there are genders. <laughs> you put in the list of things that are on the, the box, and then you turn it in, 
over here in the foyer, and then those boxes will go out and be distributed across the world. So the, the date to get those in is November 19th, next Sunday. So then um, after service today at 2 p.m., we're having a fellowship gathering, and a big part of that or the main part of that is for you all to be able to meet the missionaries that we support in Uganda, uh, Vincent and Melissa, and they're going to be there for that. And we want everybody to get a chance to meet them and hang out with them. And so that's going to be at 2 p.m. So what that means is right after service, there's going to be a whole nother thing going on. You'll see these women going into effect and it's something to behold. If you just want to watch that, it's pretty wild. But man, they it's really uh, something. But also, uh, if anybody would like to, to help with that. But then they're going to get things set up here uh, as soon as possible. So that's going to happen. Uh, also, our Christmas party, all church Christmas party is December 10th. That's a Sunday at 4 p.m. You're all invited. Your friends are invited. Your family's invited. Your neighbors are invited. Your coworkers are invited. So uh, that's just going to be an amazing time to get together, to fellowship, to hear the Christmas story and the gospel and to glorify Christ. And so that's going to be on December 10th, save the date, the week of Thanksgiving, the the. Wednesday before Thanksgiving, we, we are not having service, so that's November 22nd, so keep that in mind. Uh, also, the Calvary Chapel Association just had their pastor's conference in California, and the messages are available to everyone, and you can go to the YouTube channel Calvary Chapel Association. And I highly encourage all of you to do that. The messages were really good. And they also will give you an understanding of Calvary Chapel, the roots and the future and where everything is going. Uh, those who spoke were part of the board of Calvary Chapel. And uh, in regards to that, we have uh, right before the pastor's conference was the missions conference. And the Missions Conference, the Calvary Chapel Missions Conference, our guest speaker today spoke at the Calvary Chapel Missions Conference. And he is someone, him and his family, that we love and adore and respect greatly. God is working mightily in a faraway land in Uganda. And it just blows me away to hear the things that God is doing there. And... Um, where Vincent and Melissa live, it's a Muslim area, a Muslim stronghold. It's on the northern border of Uganda, which is on the southern border of the Sudan. And many of the refugees that are Christians coming from Sudan, they're being pushed, pushed out by the Muslims, and they're being pushed down. And they have, there's a, ref, a refugee camp right on the border there. And so uh, the Lord is doing an amazing work strategically locating them in that particular location where there's Muslims and then there's refugees. Uh, Calvary Chapel, Midigo, they have 
so many things going on. They have a, a school of uh, about a thousand kids. It's open to all the kids there, and um, they're able to come and be taught. And that's a, a way that they're able to bring many of those kids to Christ, who are also then going back to their homes to share Christ with their families. Uh, they have a sports ministry. Um, they call it football, but we call it soccer. So you can debate about that, but um, that's been very successful. And um, just getting a chance to talk to Vincent and Melissa, it's really amazing. The thing that encourages me is that to know that they're doing the same thing basically that we do here, teaching the Bible, trusting in the Bible, trusting God that he uses the Bible to set people free from their sins, not doing any hocus pocus or gimmicky things, but just believing that the Bible will do the work if you just be faithful to teaching the Bible. And that's why I'm so encouraged to know that if you embrace the things of God in his word, there'll be similarities no matter where you are, what part of the world, what part of uh, even our country and it's just the, the trust and believe, belief in the power of God, how he uses the word of God to set people free. And so uh, if I could bring Vincent up, and I'm actually just going to bring Melissa up just so you can see her. And uh, come on up. And there, he's going to speak today. So this is Pastor Vincent. That's Melissa. And um, there they are. So Pastor Vincent's going to share the word with us this morning, and then uh, they'll be at the fellowship gathering at 2 p.m. But I just wanted to pray for you guys before you get started there. So join me as a church body. Heavenly Father, we pray for this family. We pray for their children, uh, Zachary and Ian as well. We just pray a continual blessing on them. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Watch over them, lead them, and guide them. Help them and all the decisions that they have to make and lord you be their provision and everything that they need lord and thank you for the mighty work that you're doing in them and through them please continue to do that so the people in that area would know you lord in jesus name amen all right so we'll turn it over to pastor vincent thank you brother uh good morning everyone um um vincent uh, we were here, I guess, four years ago. Uh, we fell in love with this place. As we were driving, I saw a lot of forest trees, and I was hoping to see lions coming out of the forest. And so um, uh, when I went back, uh, we just connected, and, you know, my father-in-law, is a, he sells pools. So I tried to convince him many times, uh, please, I would encourage you, uh, to let me know that if he, the pool business is growing here, I might go back and encourage him. <laughs> and so we really love this place. We love your pastor and the wife and just the leaders, the fellowship here is amazing. Yesterday we came with our kids. We have Ian, uh, who is eight, Zachary is 10. And so the first thing they said, oh, can we come back here again? And so... Um, uh, I'm encouraged by this ministry, what God is doing here. And so when the pastor asked me 
to share. Uh, I was wondering what I, I was going to share, but the Lord put it in my heart. I want to share a little bit what is, you know, happening in Midigo, and, and also just to know God is doing great things here in this church. And so I pray that I will put all these things together. Let, let us pray as we get into God's word. I will be sharing from Acts chapter 2, uh, from verses 37 to 42. Let's pray. Heaven, Father, we thank you for this wonderful time, for your grace and for your mercy, and for the time that, Lord, you are allowing us to get into your word and to share what you have done in these years in this church. Father, we thank you for this fellowship that stands upon your truth. Father, I pray for every member that you have brought here. Father, I pray for every different ministries that are taking place here. Father, as we continue to grow in your word, in your love, in fellowship, Father, we pray this morning you will guide our hearts and you will bless our time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our theme uh, this morning will be our response to the gospel. Um, before we go there, just a little bit, you know, um, as the pastor had said, uh, I'm a native from Midigo. Midigo is a small town bordering Sudan and Congo. It's 95% Muslim community. And I was born uh, during the war, a civil war. If many of you remember Idi Amin, regime and so my mom took me as a child on the back because we were fleeing to Sudan from the war. Uh, so we got back immediately. My dad joined the army, so I did not see him for the next seven years. Uh, when I was eight, because there was no food, basically my mom and us were raising ourselves, eating wild fruits and everything. I got so sick, I got so many infections from different worms, and I was basically dying. And so I remember that time I prayed, I said, God, I prayed for my life. If you can give me life, I will seek to know you at the age of eight. Uh, we came from a Catholic background. When I was 10, uh, my grandfather is a staunch Catholic, and I only had two pairs of clothes, and so if you wear them out through the week, you have nothing to go to Sunday. And so my clothes were dirty, there was no soap, and I didn't want to go to, sh to church. And so my grandfather forced me to go to church. I was so mad and so angry, but I still went to church. Coming back, there used to be merchants who would put their merchandise on the bicycle. They would move from place to place in different markets to sell. And so many people had passed this narrow path. But God somehow amazingly wanted to speak to me. And so one of the merchants dropped his piece of soap, which was like this amount. Uh, I was the one of all people who traded that route. I found that soap. And I remember the promise I made to God. And God, I didn't want to come to church. God was speaking to me. I picked the soap. I washed my clothes. God started speaking to me from that time. And then my dad came. After seven years, we went to eastern part of the country. My dad was not saved. He was drinking. He was doing all that stuff. And the first time I heard the gospel pierced my heart. There was a scripture in First Peter where it says that Jesus will come for his church without a spot of sin. And I realized that I was a sinner. If Jesus came that moment, I would miss heaven. And so that night I did not sleep. It was Saturday. The next day, 
uh, I talked to my friend, we went to church, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And that is how I came to know Jesus Christ. And when I got saved, uh, God changed my life. My dad didn't want that, so he threw me out of the house. He would pick gun and put on my chest so that I could deny Jesus. And so he forsook me. He left me in that city, but God brought, brought me back to our own hometown. And when I came back to our own hometown, I started sharing the gospel, and I went to the Bible college. And when I went to the Bible college, I came back home. I was ministering the high school. I was preaching in every street. And then God sent a very young girl. Uh, she came from a place called California, all of you know, a small city called Lavan. And she also had her episodes. Uh, she was in tap dancing and pop music. She was becoming famous. One time she was Miss Lavan and she was traveling France, all the places in the world. That was her dream. But one time God also got hold of her. And so she went to Midigo. And when she went there, we met with her, and I did not plan to be a pastor. I was planning big things. I wanted to be a lawyer and, you know, all that stuff, but God did not allow. God sent me to the Bible college. I came back. I was planning to be a missionary. God sent her there and told us that this is your mission field, and today we are there. God is doing amazing things. We have a school. We have a hospital. Uh, we have the church. It's growing amidst persecutions. And God is doing great things there. So can you imagine that very year I was born, God had planned, was the very year my wife was born and God praised us. And today as I share responding to the gospel, uh, it's very important for us to know that as we respond to the gospel, it opens up a new way for God to work in our lives. And I believe even your pastor here, when he came here, he did not have this vision. But as he responded to the gospel, God opened new doors for this church. And so as I say this morning, I want us to realize everything that is taking place here, it's because God had all it in plan. And basically, if you're seated here, you never plan to be here, but God knows the future. And God has placed you in this church for a great reason and I know God is going to do a might great things in this church and so uh, let's read uh, these few verses uh, verse chapter 2 verse 37 to 42 uh, verse 37 says now when they heard this they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord uh, God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. 
then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Um, of course, we know the story. It is the Pentecost. Uh, God had promised that, Jesus had promised the disciples in the early chapters of Acts that uh, the Holy Spirit will come. They will be baptized in the, in the Spirit. In verse 8, of course, the Spirit will come in power. Uh, that they will go out preaching the gospel to all the nations of the earth. And then in chapter 2, of course, the Holy Spirit came. And as they, uh, the Holy Spirit came, the disciples were speaking in different tongues. And many who had come from every nation, they heard them speaking their own language. And they thought for some reason that they were drunk. And yet they were not drunk. And so you remember... Peter gave his first message uh, to this congregation, and the Bible says 3,000 people got saved. And so in uh, Paul's, uh, I mean Peter's testimony here in verse uh, 37 is now the response of the people because the gospel is about the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as Peter gives that, the Bible says in verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? It's very important when you hear the word of God. Someone said that if the word of God does not convict us, it's a dead word. The word of God must convict us. The word of God must challenge us to ask questions pertaining our lives. And so these people, when they heard the truth, because they were rebellious, they, because they had rejected the truth, they had killed the Messiah who had come to save them. But now when they hear the truth, when they see the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says they were cut to the heart. The question this morning, what are the convictions of your heart? What is the Lord speaking concerning your life, concerning your family, concerning this church, concerning this nation we are living in. Maybe God wants you to do something about it. The most important thing about the gospel is responding to it. If God challenges us in his word, it's very important that we ask questions that will prompt us to respond to the gospel. And so we see here in this verse that they were cut into their hearts and they responded and they said, what should we do? Verse 38 says, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are seeing two key things here. The first thing is repent. All over the Bible, the Bible teaches us the necessity for us to receive the Holy Spirit for our sins to be forgiven is to repent of our sins. And once we repent of our sins, we identify with Christ. That is baptism. Of course, we know other churches teach that baptism is a prerequisite. It's not. It's just us identifying because it means you have accepted to die with Christ and one day you resurrect with him. You are dead and you're risen. And it also signifies that you're dead to the flesh. 
and now you rise live in the spirit because the Bible says those only who walk by faith will see eternal life. It's not the flesh, it's the spirit. And that's why we reckon in the flesh to live in the spirit. And so that is what it means. And so they were baptized and also it says, then the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. And it's very important as I see God is doing a great work in this church. You know, God calls us to be active in the ministry. Because once we come to the knowledge of Christ, the Holy Spirit is in us. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts, especially in Ephesians chapter 4. It's for the edification of the church. It's for building us all together. Maybe this morning the question is, have you been part of the church? Have you considered what God is putting in your life to continue the work God is growing here? It's very important because that is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comes to energize us, to transform us, to give us that power, to give us that boldness, to give us that strength that we can go out, we can serve in our churches, we can serve in our communities, that we can preach the gospel to the lost souls. And so it's very important this morning, as the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sins, in the same way it will convict us, what should we do? As the apostles were touched by the Holy Spirit, they did not remain there. They did not say, yes, we are now fine, we are saved, that's all what we wanted. But the Holy Spirit gave them power. They started thinking about other parts of the world as they went uh, preaching uh, the gospel. Verse 39 says, For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as men as the Lord our God will call. And once we repent, as once we come to become part of the church, as the Holy Spirit comes in us, he gives us the call to our lives. What is the calling in your life this morning? So what the Bible says here, God will give you a call. It's very important this morning that we listen to the Holy Spirit and ask, God, what is the calling in my life? What are you asking me to do? What are you asking me to be the part of your work in this place? Now, in verse 40, it says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. I was so much touched by the word perverse. Peter said, be saved from this perverse generation. If Peter meant that 2,000 years ago, how perverse is our generation today? How is it so important for us this time to preach the gospel? And we see through the news, we see the news of Israel, everything that is happening throughout the United States, all over the world, we know for sure the return of our Lord is near. I believe, or I presume, maybe we are the last generation 
And have you ever run the 400 40 by 40, like four times four, really, like in the Olympics, where you run 100 meters by 100? So they put four people, and usually you want to put your best runner at the beginning and then the best at the end. Just assume that we are the last generation we are running that race before Christ comes. And the Bible says we are the race trainer. We are the one holding back. And if we are in that place that God wants to use us until the last comes to hear the gospel, God has entrusted us with his power of the Holy Spirit. And you are, the, you are running that last race. How much, how best would you want to run it? I think you'll be prepared enough. You'll be, you know, doing everything to run the best of the race, I pray, as we live in these last days, as we see things unfolding, our minds should be filled with the gospel reaching out to the lost. And so the generation we are in is perverse. And so uh, Peter said that time be saved from this perverse generation. And then verse 41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Uh, verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. The fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. So as we come into this, the Bible says through many other words, he testified and exhorted them. And today, I'm here to exhort all of us to testify what, is God, what God is doing in these last days. In the Middle East, God is appearing in visions. Muslims are getting saved. In our place, Muslims are softened. They are hungry for the word. They want to hear answers. And as things happen, probably even us as the church, we are asking, we want answers. And the best answers come from the word of God. You see, the gospel is about saving souls from perverse world. We see that day 3,000 were added with time. The number of believers then rose. It brought a problem. Persecutions came in. Uh, the pastor was just telling us how he's expanding the room. You know, every ministry comes with challenges. But the greatest thing is the Holy Spirit works these things through as we are obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so we are going to see how the early church responded to the leading of the Holy Spirit. As the number added, of course, persecutions came in. It brought in the model of the church. And so basically, as we respond, as we think about these things, we are going to look at how the church, the situations, the leading of the Holy Spirit modeled the church. The first thing we are going to look at is the apostles' doctrine. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, 
rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, the apostles' doctrine was the core centrality of the church. As Paul would write to Timothy, be diligent, be honest, be steady fast. And here Paul is talking about a life that is lived in the spirit whereby we become co-workers in the ministry. You know, as a church, if we want to grow, we have to be involved into the ministry. I've seen different kind of people. Sometimes when you come to church, you're not doing anything. It's not easy to grow. But when you get involved in the ministry, you begin growing, and that's what God wants us to do. Can you imagine if the church is a house? We are all involved in doing something in the house. And as we do that, Paul says, when we do that, we are not ashamed of the gospel. We rightly divide the word of truth. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. What um, Peter is saying here is, Put the Lord at the center of your life. Set your life apart. And as we set our lives apart, you know the Bible says our lives are the living testimony. Our lives are the living epistles. And as we do that, as we set our hearts apart, because we want people to ask, why have you changed? Why is your life changed? People will always want to know why you're different. Why you have joy. Why you have peace amidst trials. Why you always come amidst the tempests, situations in your life. And when we do that, we have a reason to give with our lives and also with the words of the Bible. And therefore, we should be reading the Bible. So the teaching of God's word is very core. I grew up in different churches, but when I came to Calvary Chapels, the simple teaching of the whole counsel of God's word, line by line, precept by precept, helped the early church to grow. You see, the church is built on the very words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my rock, and the gates of heads shall not prevail against it. You know, the church was built on Jesus Christ, upon the words of Jesus Christ. Doctrinally, the churches need to stand right with the rise of false teachings, especially in Africa. Uh, this year, we saw a cultic church assuming that it's a Christian church. A lot of people died fasting for days, sacrificing their lives that when they fast and they die, they will go to heaven. It was a massacre. Basically, simply because people are not rooted in the word of God. 
lives are lost, spiritual people are dead. We need to search the scriptures. That's why I love Calvary Chapels. That's why I love this church, that we can sit diligently studying the word of God and growing, and that we can go back like the Brian church. We search the scriptures. We are so deep-rooted. Honestly, as things are transpiring, as events are taking place, when the last week of Daniel chapter 7, and we see prophecy is fulfilled, but how can we have a right interpretation to all these things? How will you choose either to... I know we come here from different ethnicities. How will you choose either to side with Hamas or with Israel in the right way, in the biblical way? You have to search the scriptures. Like in Genesis chapter 12, who, he who blesses Israel will be blessed. Whoever curses Israel will be cursed. And we know the promises of, of God to the children of Israel. You have to know the truth. You have to stand by the word of God. Today, I want to tell you, more people are very hungry to know the truth. But how can they easily know the truth? We need doctrine for the right interpretation of prophecies, especially at this time. The world is seeking for answers, and only the Bible can give satisfying answers. In my life, I've gone through things that I could never imagine, but hopefully I came to know the Word of God. The Word of God became my hope. The Word of God became life to me. The Word of God made a lot of sense to everything. The Word of God became the future of my life. So as a response to this, um, God challenged us in our church to have a Bible college because we see how people are lost. Uganda is a Christian nation. It's just on our part, the west part, West Nile, that is the other side of the, the Nile, the Blue Nile, where Idi Amin came that everyone became a Muslim, and it's 95%. And God gave us a vision about the importance of the word. We started teaching the word of God, and now God is challenging us. He challenged us to open a Bible college so that we can be able to train the leaders to depend on the word of God so that we can bring other pastors, so that we can bring people who have callings, and then they can go all over Uganda, go to Sudan, go to Congo, and they can establish churches that depend on the word of God, that stand on the truth, teaching of God's word. The second ingredient of the church as a core was fellowship. I will put fellowship and breaking bread together. We all know the Greek word for fellowship is kononaya. Okononia. It's so rich that there is no English equivalent to that word, so we have to expand our vocabulary. Uh, Pastor Chuck has a comment on this subject where it talks of communion, 
contributions, distributions, and sharings. It's, 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 it's the love that brought the church together. And it's the same love I see here. Today, the love of Christ has brought us all here from different ethnicities. But we have the same love. We have the same fellowship. We have the same feelings. We have the same ex exhortations. We have the same encouragement. You know, fellowship brings love, unity, and security and peace in our lives. It brings a sense of belonging to a body. I know generally we have that sense we belong to Christ. We are one body. Whether colored, black, red, yellow, whatever color. <laughs> but we have one blood in the spirit. We are all the same. We are saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. There is deep fellowship in our midst because Christ reigns. Christ is in us. Christ is the testimony of our lives. We all came from different backgrounds. But today we are the same in the grace of God. How wonderful, how beautiful is that? To know that we have the same mind of Christ. You know, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 to 12, it talks about as the body exercises the spiritual gifts in equipping the saints, edifying the body, effective work and growth takes place. And I, I, I just, as I had said earlier, you know, the pastor got saved, God brought him to this place, the same mind of Christ, and God allowed him to begin the ministry here. And now you're part of this great work that God is doing because you have the same mind, because the love of Christ is growing. And soon it will consume the whole community. If we all join and get the vision with the board, with the pastor, and the work just grows. It's the same thing we do back in Midigo. Fellowship is important. You know, as one time we sat as a board, we said, okay, we have this bunch of kids here. There are no elementary schools, no kindergartens. What should we do? The board sat, we started the school for the church members, and it started growing. Then there was need for the community. And the Muslims started bringing their children to this school. And we kept teaching the word of God. We kept the fellowship. And soon the children, they started coming to Christ. The Muslim kids, the Muslims started rising against the church. There are times we, we lived in fear. The truth is there are times I would be threatened. I would fear to come home for the safety of my family. I would say I'd rather die out there. My wife would hear that, that I'm dead. There's a time a brother got saved, a Muslim brother got saved. I was preparing my message just going to the pulpit. Someone came, the security officers, that there's a man who came here. He saw it was the father of this guy, and he's a fearless guy. And I was like, what? 
but God gave me the strength. I approached him. I said, brother, you know what? I know what you have come for, but what I have now is important. I'm going to teach the word of God, and then after that, you wait for me, we'll meet. <laughs> I praise God. I boldly went, taught the word of God, came out, and I took him in my office. I said, what is the matter? He said, from today onwards, it's either your life or my son's life. I said, you know what? I don't convert. The Holy Spirit converts. And so if, if you think this brother was deceived, why don't we go and agree in the community? So I said, I said, let us go to the public and let the community decide what to do. Because I don't say, I don't say, I said, you see, all these guys here, they came by themselves. I'm doing what God has called me to do. So that day came and we went to this public school, only two of us who were Christians, and the Muslims gathered. All of them were in groups. They were making decisions, they were talking. So we didn't know what they were planning against us. We were just in this room, and I was praying. I looked, there was a window. That was enough for me to jump through. So, so I kind of, I was tempted to sit by the window, and I was praying there. And so they took long. We are just worried. And so they started coming one by one. And you see how God does things. One of them stood up and said, who is going to chair this meeting? And one of them responded and said, why don't Pastor Vincent chair this meeting? So <laughs> I came when I'm shivering like this, <laughs> saying, Lord, give me the words. <laughs> give me the wisdom. And so I started preaching. I started encouraging them. And I told them, this guy is old enough to make a decision. So let him decide. He stood for the word and, and we are saved. And so sometimes the church, as it grows, God brings those challenges. The pastor was telling me how he's expanding the rooms. Those are challenges. Sometimes it's not easy. But when we all come together in prayer, others are praying, others are encouraging, you know, and others are working. The work goes. I believe God is doing real amazing things in this church. Maybe sometimes, you know, when you're around, you don't see it. You know, like, there's a time in my ministry, I, the enemy was just attacking us from every field, and yet the ministry was growing. You know, sometimes when the enemy attacks you forget about the great things that God has done. And I felt betrayed. I felt discouraged. I felt quitting the ministry until I went for a conference in Kenya. A brother told me, ah, this is Vincent, I'm watching you on YouTube. God is doing amazing things there. I'm like, what? <laughs> and maybe personal today, maybe in your own life, Maybe this church, you feel discouraged. And maybe today God has brought me here to encourage all of you that God is doing mighty things here. May his name be praised. May we be encouraged in such moments in fellowship. So fellowship brings those great things that sometimes we do not even understand. Like us feeding over 800 children. How possible is that? 
500 of them are in boarding. They have breakfast, lunch, supper. We accommodate them daily. They are there. But God does amazing things. We, we get testimonies like even the children are ministering to the children now. Sometimes we bring new students. You know, these Muslim kids, they come with their Muslim mentality. They are not just right. And the rest of the children say, this is not how we live here. We live in unity. We live in love. And soon they are transformed. And some of them, they go back to their parents during the holidays. They say, dad and mom, let's pray in Jesus' name. And these Muslim guys get so mad, they come to me and say, what are you doing to our kids? We also want Islam to be taught here. And so I tell them, you know, you have a choice. Are you not proud that your child's life is changed? Are you not proud that he's getting the best education? But you can make choice. And so those are the fruits of the ministry as we grow in fellowship. And we are talking about, you know, uh, just to bring the culture, you know, I, I, I'm sure it's not everywhere, but in our culture, uh, because the Muslims marry more than one wife, some have three, four, five wives, and these wives, it's just like in, in Jacob's time, you know, the concubines and everyone is fighting to have more children. And so these men cannot raise these children, so they run away from home. And so um, these, the wives and these children, they just become like, workaholics to survive. And so we take that opportunity when we have functions at church, we prepare meals even if you don't invite them, the meals will invite them. As the meal invites them, we share the gospel. And they want what we have. And we tell them we are the same. The only change is Christ is in us. Christ has changed us. And when we believe and when we live in the leading of the Holy Spirit, the same thing. The people outside there want what we have. And what we can give them is Christ. Because we know they can change. We were before like that, but God has changed us. So ministry comes with needs and compassion as we are ministering uh, in different ways. As you people minister here, through the needs as God uses these moments. I think the church, the early church, did not just decide. I can assure you that the early church never sat down to work out the circumstances made it inevitable for the furtherance of the gospel. They not say, okay, now <laughs> we are going to do this and that, and we'll have these plans, A, B, C, D, and as we do this, our church will expand. They never. The Holy Spirit worked through the moments of their life. The third thing that as I close um, is prayer. You know, prayer is mentioned 31 times in the book of Acts, only second to Psalms. We see in Acts chapter 1, verse 12 to 26, in the upper room prayer meeting, the believers prayed for the guidance on the decision to substitute Judas. In Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 26, the church prayed for courage to witness when Peter and John were arrested for healing a lame man. In Acts chapter 13, the church at Antioch prayed, uh, actually Antioch in, in, in Mark's house 
prayed for the release of Peter from prison. That is Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. Then in chapter 13, the church at Antioch prayed for the sending out of Barnabas and Paul. In Acts chapter 16, verse 6 to 10, the Holy Spirit prevented Paul and Silas to preach in Asia and perceive the Macedonian call. You know about prayer will take the whole day. As I had told you earlier, when I was dying on that sick bed, I was praying to the Lord for my life. I was praying for this physical life. And God healed me. And when I went through the persecutions, I was praying for my future. And when I became pastor, now God has taught me to pray in faith for all things. So prayer is very important. Prayer connects us with God. Prayer allows us to see the throne of God. You see in Isaiah chapter 6, we find the story of Isaiah. It says when King Isaiah had, uh, you know, King Hezekiah, had, uh, the king had died. What happened? Isaiah lifted his eyes. He see the Lord on the throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple with his glory. And what else did Isaiah realize? There are three things when we come to know the Lord. There are three things in life. Of course, we have the time events. We have the Lord always through those time events. The Lord is reigning. And then we look at ourselves. God is always looking at us to respond in these times. And we can know these things through prayer. So through that difficult moment of Isaiah's life, Isaiah was praying. What did he see? He saw the Lord reigning. Are you discouraged this morning? In prayer, prayer strengthens you to know the Lord is on the throne. The Lord does not only work when things are fine. Actually, the Lord works most through the most difficult times. The Lord always yanks us in the most difficult times of our lives. Elizabeth Elliot had to say this about prayer. He says prayer lays hold of God's plan. God's plans becomes the link between his will and its accomplishments on earth. Amazing things happen, and we are given the privilege of being the channels of the Holy Spirit's prayer. Corey Ten Boom, this convicted me so much, said, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare? And I, I always ask this question, how dear is your steering wheel? How do you hold to that steering wheel? Because it's your life, isn't it? And then you ask, when did you last change your spare tires? And unfortunately, sometimes prayer becomes our spare tires. We don't remember when we last prayed. But if we hold to prayer as a steering wheel, as every day we drive. Billy Graham said this, we are to pray in times of adversity lest we become faithless and unbelieving. 
We are to pray in times of prosperity, lest we become boastful and proud. We are to pray in times of danger, lest we become fearful and doubting. We are to pray in times of security, lest we become self-sufficient. So as I close this morning, may the Lord guide us. May the Lord lead us to remind us of these four ingredients of the church. And when we talk about the church, we are not talking about this building. We are talking about us, each one of us. What is God speaking to you? How is God challenging you to pray more, to study his word, to be part of the fellowship that he may continue the work he's doing throughout the world, especially reaching out with the gospel? Let's pray. Heaven, Father, we thank you for loving us so much, for encouraging us through these words. As day by day, you added unto the number of the disciples. Lord, I pray even as you add to the number of this church. Father, I thank you for the leaders here, the board members, the pastor, the wife, and everyone who is involved in the fellowship. Father, we thank you for the fruit of your work that you're doing here. Father, may you continue to stir the hearts of these lovely people, those who love you and those who are part of your work here. I pray for your blessing upon this ministry. May you continue to bless them. Father, I pray, I know, running a ministry is not easy. There are needs, there are challenges, there are fears. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray they will always look unto you. May the incense of prayer never cease from our altars, Lord. Father, I pray for more open doors for your work here. May you be glorified in our lives. Thank you for being the Savior and the Lord of our lives. We thank you and we bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Vincent was saying is there's a, a common theme that every believer who surrenders to the working of God in their life will encounter. And I, I phrase it that way because it, it truly is, as Pastor Vincent was saying, the gospel opens up new things. And when one surrenders their life to Christ and allows him to lead and guide and direct, then the, there's two things that always happens. And the first is trials. And the second is seeing God overcome in the trials. Those are the two things. And uh, last night, Pastor Vincent and Melissa were over and we were talking and it's amazing how many things are similar in those two things. The struggles, the trials, and then seeing God overcome in the struggles and trials, those two things. And they were telling me they were at two conferences. So at, at Calvary Chapel Golden Springs, they had the missions conference and then they had the pastor's conference. And they, 
that those two things were what everybody was saying in different ways. I'm not getting chased by lions, but like they are, but we may have other trials, but it's, it's all the same because Satan comes against those who are truly walking by faith. And so it's, it's encouraging to know that that is normal and common and that we're not alone in that. But there's also a challenge in that. And the challenge is not to be lukewarm. The challenge is to come to a place where you do open your life up for the Great Commission. Where you allow God to work in your life for the purpose of bringing people to Christ. And that's where the fun begins. That's where the trials begin. That's where the weird things start happening. But that's also where the supremacy of Christ becomes real to you and I. They live on faith, Pastor Vincent and Melissa. Every day, imagine hundreds of kids coming to your school expecting to be fed three meals a day. And they live by faith that God will provide. They live by faith that God will protect. They live by faith that God will bear fruit. And with that and the desire to bring glory to God brings about all sorts of opposition. And at the same time, brings all sorts of victory. So they get to continually boast on God. This is what God did this time. This is what God did this time. We thought we weren't going to make it, but then God did something. So may that be a challenge to us today, wherever we're at in our walk, that we would say, I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to live for God's glory. I'm going to live for God's will. And allow him to lead and guide and direct your life in such a way where you're seeing God work. And that is the most amazing thing about being a Christian. It's experiencing God work in and through you. There's nothing better than that. And so if you'd like prayer about anything, uh, maybe you've been challenged today, and today you want to say, you know what? I haven't been living by faith. Maybe you want to come up for prayer. Maybe you've never been born again. Maybe you want to give your life to Christ today and be born again. The gospel will make you new in Christ. Your sins will be forgiven by the blood of Christ as you put your faith in Christ. So we're going to worship the Lord. God bless you. God be with you. And God challenge you to be more like him today. God bless you.